0: Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey friends, Dr. Motley here, and today a very important subject, Lyme disease. And the question, is Lyme disease capable of being transferred from human to human? from mother to child. Well, this is a very important subject, a very sensitive subject. I myself suffered through Lyme disease and for all of you that have suffered this or are going through this, know somebody who is, it is a disease that can cause such heavy and harsh symptoms such as headaches, migraines, unexplainable fevers, joint pain, arthritis, heart palpitations, joint pain, unexplainable joint pain. Digestive issues such as constipation and diarrhea, liver swelling, liver enzyme imbalance, pancreas damage, reproductive issues, weakness, even semi-paralysis, and neurological conditions that have been mimicked into MS or Parkinson's, according to the CDC. So it is such a harsh, harsh disease that even the CDC would say if you have neurological symptoms, you should consider Lyme disease and get tested for it. Now in this podcast, let's talk about the basics of Lyme and why it's so elusive. We're gonna talk about how it is possible for be transferred according to clinical research through studies and what are some of the herbs that have been shown to really help with the cleansing of this infection and these diseases. And so when we talk about Lyme disease, I first want to say that I'm sensitive to all of you who are going through this, who have gone through it, that have family members or loved ones that are going through it. Because on the outside, you may look normal to most individuals. Some individuals may have told you that you look normal, but on the inside, you feel like you're dying. You don't feel right. Constant anxiety and depression with all these other symptoms we talked about. And you don't feel right, but everybody thinks that you're normal so you may feel like you're going crazy. Again, I keep that in mind in my heart when I talk about this subject matter. So know that I have your back cheering you on. For all the healthcare practitioners that are those docs and practitioners that are dealing and helping individuals with Lyme disease and going through the trenches with individuals, again, cheering you on, I have your support. Any new information that you guys may see or hear that would help us on this podcast, please send it our way. We always want to have new information. We just want to make sure that the information is clear and concise in the most easy-to-understand way. So first of all, we want to talk about what is Lyme disease. Lyme disease is basically made of six to seven different types of infections. They add in a bit more every time I read about it. A good place to read about it is Lymedisease.org, O-R-G. There's many other different types of education literature, but that's a good starting point. So you have Borrelia, which is the Lyme bacteria, Babesia, which is a blood parasite related to malaria. You also have Bartonella, which causes cat scratch fever and damage of capillaries and red blood cells. Also Ehrlichia, which causes Ehrlichia, Ehrlichiosis, in animals and humans. You also have Epstein-Barr virus pushed into this group, mycoplasma, which causes pneumonia, and anaplasma, which is a blood parasitic type of bacteria. Now, when you consider that these infections work together, they are so small, guys, that they can actually get into the guts of a very small tick or a mosquito. They're so small that they're microscopic and thousands of these bacteria and parasites can be injected through one bite of an insect. What are the vectors? Ticks, mites, fleas, spiders, mosquitoes. According to research, they say that anything that could transfer blood, that could be a vector for blood, has a capability of transferring certain types of Lyme infections. When you have the infections that are rampant within the insect world, it makes it easy to understand that when an insect bites a bird, bites a deer, bites a cow, it is capable for those vectors to actually transfer the microbe, the infection, into these other animal sources. Do animals get transferred or get transplanted around the world? Yes. Do birds fly? Yes. So you have insects that have fed on field mice, that have fed on birds. And these animals are going all over the countryside or all around the world. And this makes it possible for the infections to spread. Now there's a big, I say misnomer, but there is information out there that says that many practitioners would say that only Lyme disease occurs in the northeast near Lyme, Connecticut, where it started that it's only in the northeastern part or northwestern part of California, certain parts of Texas. But there are reports all around the world, even studies that have showed the presence of spirochetes, which is the corkscrew shape of the Borrelia type bacteria, that's been found all over the world, even in mummies. Spirochetes are bacteria that actually break down certain tissue. They've been found all over the world, and one of the places they take place in is in the guts of ants and they help break down wood in wood ants. So this is a bacteria that is in our common natural environment. They help break down things. What they have found out is that the bacteria, since it has a corkscrew shape, can burrow into the brain matter, the gray matter, into the ligaments, into the tendons, into the central nervous system. And they start to break down that tissue from their toxicity release and from their want and craving for sugars. So you have a transfer of these infections that can burrow into the tissue of the central nervous system and into the ligaments, creating toxicities that require your immune system to go after them and chase them. And the activation of your immune system causes all of these symptoms that I mentioned before. So spirochete's Lyme has been found in culture. Clinical studies, clinical cases, hospital cases have shown Lyme disease all over the world, all over the U.S. So it's not just in one area. Now according to my research, it's been all over the world and the symptomatology has been so great that there's organizations and support groups that help people that have Lyme disease. Can it affect you in such a negative way that you need support? Yes. It happened to me. I myself went through a small patch or nest of ticks, small seed ticks and nymph ticks And I found, and I counted, I was uh, very, very astute about counting when I was younger. Um, And it had about 60 ticks on my legs. 30 of them were attached. And after that time, I was about 13 years old, 13 to 14. I started having muscle cramps in my legs, fasciculations, which are tremors. I started having night terrors. I started having sweats in my hands and feet. I started having horrible sleep issues, gut problems. And I started to heart palpitations, unexplainable heart beating out of my chest at night. I thought it was just getting older. It then led to the hearing. I started having tinnitus. And I started feeling like my ears were muffled. And then all of a sudden, things were very sensitive to me when I heard. And so I had to sleep a lot. So I had infections that were transferred to me. And I did not know this until after I got out of chiropractic school because I was always fatigued, always chronically fatigued. Until one day I almost fainted when I was working on a patient. So I almost fainted on the patient, and that's when it led me to get checked for Lyme. And I found out that I had it, and I started working on it. So that's my story. I've been through vision problems, tinnitus, all the things I just mentioned. I've had many more issues with my story, but I can go into that. But remember, we want to talk about this indication of how it's transferred. Now, what makes the infection so transferable and so sneaky is that its ability to actually morph. So when we talk about morphing, the infections get into the guts of the insect. They understand the pH balance of the insect. Research has shown that the infections can actually change the DNA configuration within their own body to actually be able to handle the pH of the environment they're in. So they're in the guts of a tick or a mosquito or a mite, and they adjust to the pH balance of that insect. Then, as they attach, as the tick or the mosquito attaches to the host, they release a venom that softens up the blood, and the infection has a sensing capability to know which pH environment they're going into. So they actually change their structure to handle the new pH environment. So then, they thrive. They can actually create cysts to get into the tissue. They can actually hurry up and find tissue that they can burrow into so that they can feed off your nutrition. One of the main areas that these infections, where do they actually get to you, is in the red blood cells. Now, they are blood parasites, which means that they make their way into the red blood cells, and they actually will eat the proteins, the hemoglobin. They'll eat the iron, which attaches to oxygen. And they destroy this and they multiply, especially Babesia and Borrelia, Ehrlichia and Bartonella. And so as they eat the proteins, they'll actually fill up the red blood cell where they pop open. And then the infections have multiplied and they go and infect other red blood cells. This is why you get the red bull's rash, the red eye bull's rash. This is where you get Streaks with Bartonella, cat scratch fever, because where they infect, they pop open the capillaries and the red blood cells, causing blood to fill up into the skin. That's why you get unexplainable rashes and streaks. This is why individuals will start to get stretch marks with Bartonella. It damages the collagen, it damages the red blood cells within the tissue, and so you start to have these streaks and these striations along the skin. So if you have red blood cell issues, such as anemia, If you have problems with B12 levels, I would highly suspect Lyme disease. I would get checked for Lyme and its co-infections. If you have basically stretch marks and you don't know why you have stretch marks, you want to make sure that Bartonella, any type of Lyme infection, is in the system. So you see how the infections will go into the system, change themselves, and invade certain tissue. But what this idea and this fact that these the infections actually change their DNA to actually get into your body is that now they'll create subspecies. When bacteria basically are reproducing, they do it by binary fission. And so when they do it by binary fission, they're actually splitting to create new forms of themselves. But as they change their DNA, they're creating a new species. So they're finding that there's new subspecies of Bartonella, new subspecies of Babesia new subspecies of Borrelia. That's why there's so many forms. So you have vectors, all the insects, plus new subspecies creating infections that become very resistant to actual antibiotics and antimicrobials in the Western world. So that is why you use different types of herbs to help clean up the infections because you may need a shotgun effect. Different types of herbs To keep the infections on their toes so they don't get used to the antibiotics, so they get killed off or cleansed through the actual herbs. So that's the basics. There is more information. If you guys want more information, let me know. I'm putting more information in my website and through my social media um, feed as well. When we talk about this area and this idea of how these types of microbes get into your body, what is the possibility? that a person could transfer it to another person according to research and even in my clinical research i have seen where a couple comes in or a family comes in and one individual has high amounts of lyme and their child or their offspring would actually have an amount of infection as well and so the person that just got the actual infection never was bitten even rarely got bit by a mosquito. It wasn't possible that the family member somehow transferred it over. Well, there are reports that show that spirochetes and the bacteria and the parasites have the capability now that are stronger to adapt to the host. And so when they adapt to the host, they are now showing that the infections can hold up in certain fluids of the body, whether it be saliva, spit. Could it be any type of fluids around the eyes? Could it be any type of mucus? Could it be into the reproductive fluids? And so the serous fluid of the joints. You're finding that certain reproductive fluids can carry strep and staph and Borrelia and parasites, and they're strong enough to live in that environment. As long as they get transferred to a host where they can infect and get into the nutrient sources of that host, they can actually thrive so this is in no way trying to make you wonder or get scared if you were receiving an infection from somebody else in your family or that you gave it to somebody else that's not the point here point is to give you understanding and education could partners transfer it through saliva could sexual contact could sharing too much um, fluids through drink um, transfer it for it well They're showing infections that can thrive in the parotid glands, in the saliva. So when you consider that, it is having a good understanding that there is possibility that you have to be aware that there could be transfer of infections in the fluids. Yes, there are indicators in clinical research and through studies that show that there is a transfer because let's say one partner has it and the the other partner has the exact same infection. And so does that make say that one person is causing another person to be ill? No. The whole point is to remember, to get an education, and to understand that one partner, one family member, as they heal, it is a good indication for the other family members, the other partner, to actually work on their bodies to heal up and to start cleansing as well. The stronger the unit, the stronger the family, the stronger the partnership. So anytime one individual that comes in within a family in my clinic has Lyme, I usually ask them to get the other family members checked as well because you never know if there was some transfer and you don't want to have re-inoculation. You don't want to keep transferring back and forth. I see this a lot with yeast infections and mold. I see this a lot with strep and staph. So you want to make sure that you clean up the infections very efficiently within one individual, but also check the other. So please have the partner, have the family members get checked. And start working on their lyme disease and start to clean out those infections and you'll see that the rates will reduce and your symptomatology as a whole group will get better this is not to be discouragement this is to give you the encouragement that you understand why like one child will get sick and then the other one gets sick so work on getting each person tested remember The ability for the infections to have subspecies, the ability for them to thrive in a different pH of each individual allows them to be transferred from person to person according to clinical research. They're very smart. They're very elusive. And they're going to find the tissue that they can infect and thrive. Now, another question comes up to, to the point, guys, that can mothers transfer to children? Now, This is not to have mothers feel upset if they suspect their child has Lyme disease and they had Lyme disease. But the information has shown that there are spirochetes and there are certain forms of Bartonella that are thriving or can transfer or survive the fluids within the placenta or the placenta itself or the amniotic fluid. So the baby should be protected by the placenta and by the immune system that it's getting from the mother through the bloodstream in the umbilical cord. But if there's quite a bit of infections within the bloodstream of the mother, there is research that shows that there are evidences of different types of microbes that are in the umbilical cord where it's transferred down to the baby and into the placental area. So they show that there are spirochetes and infections that have made their way through the actual fluids and into the areas around the baby, And the babies have been tested, and they've had infections showing that the mother had. This is a big issue with strep and staph. Now, this is not for a mother to feel bad. It just shows that as the mother cleanses, the baby cleanses. And so there are many contraindications for certain herbs, certain medications for a mother to take to cleanse out the infections while she's pregnant or breastfeeding. But that's where you find a great Lyme-literate doctor, You find a functional medicine doctor or an integrative medicine practitioner that can help you with gentle cleansing and help you clean out, even as you have uh, the baby, if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding. So there are now indications of person-to-person, mother-to-child, which makes it so important for the people involved to find out more about their bodies. If you have Lyme disease or know anybody about Lyme disease, remember, this is not to sound scary. This is for you to understand and realize that as you cleanse, you're going to help yourself heal more and others heal. So everyone out there with Lyme disease, if you're pregnant or wanting to get pregnant, if you're in a relationship or you have a family, get people around you examined, treated, yourself get treated, and keep working on this avenue of healing. Find a great doctor, or a great practitioner that's willing to go through the trenches with you, that listens to you, that understands you, and understands your story, and doesn't just treat it as a flippant thing. I know I repeat myself, guys, a lot in this podcast, but the reason being is because I'm so sensitive to this subject. I don't want anybody to feel upset. I want people to feel encouraged and strengthened by this. So guys, get everyone checked. Don't live in fear. Live in strength. Live in joy. And know that you can find ways to help heal these infections. If you don't find Lyme uh, in your children or your spouse or in your partner, great. Then just make sure if they show signs or symptoms, check into strep or staph. Those are other ones you can check into. Now, I wanted to mention a couple good herbs, guys, that I want you to consider. These are just information. I'm not trying to get you to buy these. But if you're suffering through Lyme, I want to give you information behind them. Some of the best herbs I find that work with Lyme disease, one is called Malia Supreme from Supreme Nutrition Products. I love Malia Supreme because it's an Ayurvedic herb that's very antimicrobial. It kills viruses, fungus, mold, yeast, bacteria, Lyme. It helps with cleansing the multi-infections in the body. It is a heavy hitter. It's strong. So I'm not saying take all of these. I'm saying consider these, and this is the information that's behind it. It's one of the bigger, heavier hitters. Also, Chinese Coptis, golden thread, is a very, very strong antimicrobial, a general one. These infections go in and help kill off the infections very, very cleanly, but you don't want to do it so much where you have a Hertz reaction. That's why I say find a good Lyme literate doctor. Another herb I love is Cat's Claw. It's anti-inflammatory. It's one that is used really well with individuals with Lyme disease. It helps clean up the inflammation, helps heal the joints, it helps with resolving all the c reactor proteins and helps clean up any extra inflammation within the brain especially especially if there's Bartonella, Borrelia or Babesia in the brain. Cat's claw. Japanese knotweed supreme. It's used to help with biofilms. It's been shown clinically to help kill off infections such as Borrelia, Babesia and even Bartonella. It is used widely in the infection realm. And so Japanese knotweed helps with not only cleaning up the biofilm and the placking these infections give, but the infections themselves. I do like a couple more on my personal realm. I do like Artemisia, Artemisia supreme. It is heavily for parasites, parasite infections such as Babesia and even worms in small amounts of flukes or protozoa parasite, but that accompany Lyme disease. But I found Artemisia is really good using it with Mammalia Supreme or even Golden Thread to help clean up bacteria and parasites. So Artemisia Supreme is really, really good. I like Artemisia. These are some of the top ones that I love the most. And I think that when you look and research these, you can go to Supreme Nutrition Products, I will be putting out some extra videos about the efficacy of all these types of supplements. But remember, you don't take all of these at once. You need to find the ones that resonate with you. And when you find a good doc or you yourself are doing any type of education or exploration on your own, this is just general information. These are some of the top heavier hitters for Lyme. Some individuals use tinctures from Byron White or from my good friend, Dr. Alan Lindsley at Nature's Pharmacy, LLC, up in Wisconsin. And some individuals will use different types of combination of herbs as tinctures to help clean up the infections. They work well but it all depends on your bioindividuality. I can't say here that you gotta take this and it's gonna clear everything up. It's about you learning more about yourself. And that's what we want here at the Health Institute. So guys, I hope this helps really well. Guys, if you have any questions, just know that you can send us a comment. If you like us here at the Health Institute, at this podcast, give us a like, subscribe. And guys, until next time, we will talk soon. Have a blessed day. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I wanna say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.